Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Today on the podcast, we have David Knorr, a trusted advisor to global clients, corporate leaders, and rising entrepreneurs, and the author of the recent book, Curve Benders. David is an expert in relationship economics, how to build enduring relationships that last a lifetime. You'll enjoy learning about his background and his knack for building a great career by building great relationships. He shares how teams and leadership based on relationship is the way to succeed in today's distributed workplace. The bonus of this podcast is that you'll learn how to be a curve bender, someone who has an enduring passion to grow those around you and to grow them from anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon, and I've got my amazing co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis on the East Coast. And in the house today, we have David Knorr, prolific author of 11 books and passionate about strategic relationships. David serves as a trusted advisor to global clients and coaches, corporate leaders, and rising entrepreneurs. His latest book, number 11, is called Curve Benders, and we both can't wait to dive into this book. Hello, David, and welcome to the show. Mitchell and Ginny, good to be with you both. Thanks so much. Love the title. Okay, so let's just get into this, David. You are Mr. Strate- strategic Relationship Man. So, of course, the first thing I want to ask is, over the last year, what relationships did you focus on the most and what occurred due to that focus? I appreciate you uh, you uh, asking that. I, I want to take us actually a little, little further back at okay. the onset of the pandemic. Mitch, I... Um, I distinctly remember like it was yesterday. We're coming back from my uh, uh, kids' spring break from Mexico, and they were shutting airports down. And it's also might be useful for your audience that in 2019, I was on the road 208 days. So when the pandemic hit, I'm like, I'm not, not going to get on a plane anytime soon. Nobody's going to want to have anybody in their buildings, much less conferences and leadership events and so on and so forth. So I doubled down on digital, uh, upgraded the camera, upgraded audio, lighting, whatever, And then I said, let me make a list of my top 100 business relationships. And I'm just going to reach out to them, not try to sell them anything. It wasn't about me. It was about how you doing Mm -hmm. and what are you doing and what are you seeing and what are you struggling with? And if you can't get your people together, how are you guys running the business? And what was fascinating was, you would get very different perspectives from very different industries and very different leadership struggling with some very similar issues. Mm-hmm. And what I did was what I'm a big believer of is, which is really become a purveyor of relationships. And I start to put together what I call seekers and solvers. If you remember, this guy needs PPEs. Great. Somebody else has got extras. Let's get them together. This person is trying to ship something to somewhere else they need it. These guys have some of it there. Let's get them together. And none of it was transactional. I I didn't do it to make money off of it. 
it was truly what I believe in, which is this idea of relationship currency deposits. And those who got it not only said thank you, not only immediately said, that's very kind of you, what can we do to help you? But I also saw them then helping other people. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I love that because now we saw, because this wasn't episodic, because it didn't impact just one part of the world, we saw it bring out the best of humanity from within our business relationships. I saw it really bring fewer, but more depth, more meaning, more authenticity into those interactions. Yeah. So to answer a very long answer to your short question yes. of who have I invested in, I was intentional. I made a list in the combination of clients. There were some prospects. There were some board members. There were some past clients that I'm not working with, but I think very highly of them. There were some colleagues from academia. There were some uh People that I'm not doing business with, but I value their opinions and perspectives, coaches, mentors. Um, and, and it became a really nice ecosystem to tap into periodically, try to bring people together, learn from and grow through. So what is, so, um, you know, you're relationship centric, you're, um, you're looking at strategic relationships. <clears throat> Let's get, get down to brass sex. What is, what is David Knorr's philosophy around relationships or around strategic relationships sure has you write all these books right uh but you don't know i'm what you're not saying sharing with your audience is all the books are blank on the inside i'm, <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm huge in the yeah. adult coloring book business no i i think i think to answer that uh candidly i have to go back a little uh, as, as you know you and i talked about this uh, i'm originally from iran and I came to this country with a hundred bucks, a suitcase, didn't know anybody, didn't speak a word of English. I really am a product of two very distinct cultures because yeah. not just Iran, but throughout the Middle East, but also parts of Asia, Asia, a lot of Latin America. You build relationships first from which you do business. Unfortunately, as Americans or Westerners, we're so focused on the business part. Mitch, that only if and only if the business part works. I may ask you about your family or I may ask you about, you know, the rest of your life. So I, I got to tell you, after I left my, I did a bunch of corporate jobs and technology and, 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 and private equity and management consulting and all that. After I left my corporate roles and I kind of knew I wanted to go back on my own, I, I went on a listening tour. And this is something I actually coach the executives I coach to really consider. I went to 35 executives I liked, I trusted, I respected. And I said, what do you believe I do exceptionally well? And they said, you, in their words, you network better than anybody else we've ever met. You can teach other people how to do that. You'll succeed. And I'm thinking, well, this is the stuff I do kind of subconsciously. And I want to help people. And I'm proactive. And I'm tenacious. And I connect people all the time. And how am I going to teach other people to do I'm not teaching them how to use Microsoft Excel. Right? <laughs> how, do I, how do I teach them to do this? So I said, number one, and, and so I became a student and I read, uh, I've read 136 books on networking hmm. and business relationships and something called social network analysis. Right, which, which is, is great. Yeah, it's, it's actually studying patterns and human mm-hmm. interactions 
fascinating. It's just incredibly academic. Oh, and the nodes in between. That's, and I, I love, love it. it. I love yeah. it. Dr. Genie's all over this, right? Yeah. This is awesome. yeah, you two, why don't you two just talk about okay, it? Right? We, right? we, we don't even need it. Genie's all over this. We'll do a Vulcan mind melt, right? So, so I, I became a student, and that's philosophical. One of the things I believe in is, is you got to become an expert in a topic first before you can be an effective speaker, consultant, coach, advisor, whatever, right? So I immersed myself in this topic and I found two camps. I found there's a whole lot out there on the art of relationships, how to get cards, give cards, work a room. It's pedestrian. It's yeah. retail. It's yeah. some of it I got in all candor is cringeworthy. Like, yeah. oh my God, I don't I don't want to be worked. I don't want to work a room. What the hell? I just that's not that's not value creation. The other end is the science, which is that Dr. Jeannie and I talked about. It's fascinating. It's just academic as hell. And it puts most people to sleep in about 15 minutes. So I said, what if I created relationship economics and I brought the art and the science of relationships together and taught people not how to network, but how to build, identify, build, nurture, sustain really value-based relationships? And, and this is year 19 of that practice. So what I deeply believe in is that relationships are an investment. I deeply believe in you cannot ask for a favor until you've earned the right to do so. I believe people will prioritize projects for, they'll prioritize returning emails, they'll prioritize investing in people they know and they like and they trust. And I'm going to add one more, they respect I deeply believe in this notion of of know me, like me, pay me, uh, trust me, and then pay me. <laughs> and if you try to try to bypass that, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. So so, and I practice these things, and and I've been blessed to be able to take a disciplined approach we call strategic relationship planning mm-hmm. into companies to really tap into their biggest undervalued asset, which is their relationships. Great. You know, okay, so so Ginny and I, Dr. Ginny, I love you. I like this. Dr. Ginny, you are now Dr. I know, Ginny. you love that. Hello and welcome to the Dr. <laughs> Ginny Show. Um, so David, we, uh, we, we began this podcast because we really wanted to look at teams, which are, you know, relationships. Would love to know your viewpoint, uh, given, given 19 years of looking at this, is... Um, how do you build that relationship-centric team, especially now where many teams are not getting together, probably won't be getting together for a for many more months? Um, what do you, what are you what are you suggesting um, to those companies who are saying, "Gosh, what do we do now?" Because we aren't physically uh, together building those you know in-person relationships. Uh, again, let me answer it this way. I am bullish on trends this pandemic has accelerated. I am bearish on trends this pandemic is trying to change. So let me delineate the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Autonomy. Working from home. Mitch has been around. I've been working from home for 20 years. Right. A lot of us have. Right. A lot of people didn't and didn't know how to really function in that environment. And I got to tell you, talk about a cultural and team shock. A lot of these organizations where everybody had to go in every day almost had an out-of-body experience. What do you mean we're going to send everybody home? Oh, my God. They how they gonna, have an out-of-body experience. Right? Oh, my God. How are they going to work? How are they going to get anything done? The, you know, Earth is going to stop revolving. That's right. 
So the pandemic accelerated that, that as knowledge workers, we really can work anywhere as long as we have internet access. Right? Sure. Now, it doesn't replace you and I meeting in person and interacting and engaging, but autonomy is incredibly valuable with knowledge workers. I've always believed interview adults, hire adults, be crystal clear on adulting expectations so you can get out of the babysitting business. I'm bearish on trends the pandemic is trying to change. Like we're never going to meet again in person. So I don't believe offices are going to go away. Is the idea of an office or office structure going to change? Probably. Because if you're going to make me get dressed, fully dressed, not not business above and party below, but if you're going to make me get dressed and drive and park and come up to the building and sit in an office, there better be a compelling reason for that. So what I believe in is what I call hybrid relationships, hybrid work. We don't, I, I don't, I don't need to fly. And what we're seeing is a resurgence of what I call work-life blending mm-hmm. because work-life yes. balance has always been a struggle. While I'm working, I'm thinking I'd love to be on vacation. While I'm on vacation, I'm like, crap, all the emails are piling up. Right. So in terms of building high-performing teams, in terms of building relationship-centric teams, I believe it takes three attributes. A set of personal characteristics. You need people who either have it or are going to develop a sense of grit, Mm -hmm. a sense of personal accountability, a sense of, I don't need to be babysat. I know what needs to get done. You need a set of team dynamics. Trust. Trust is so easy to talk about. It is incredibly difficult to build and nurture, and sustain. And you've heard this before. So of your audience, it takes years to develop it and an instant to destroy it. Why? Because you are penny wise and pound foolish. Last but not least, that relational, that relationship centricity is about proactiveness. It's about creativity. It's about, I don't have all the answers. Let's quickly, quickly get a few people. I don't, we don't need a battalion. We need to think more like SEAL Team 6. Get in, get the work done, get out. And, and we can talk about agility all day long. But what I get excited about is I'm actually piloting with three different clients this idea of micro enterprises. So instead of a massive PL and a massive reporting structure, what if we build a really small team? Think of 8, 10, 12 people that are very much focused on a singular customer need. They, they've got all the autonomy they need, they're measured by, they're compensated by the success of that micro enterprise. And they get to choose who they want to hire. They get to choose what resources they're going to use, but they in essence have a micro PL. And that micro enterprise leader, no titles, they kind of work together, they get the work done. I'm telling you, it is, it is the pandemic is exactly the impetus. Within, let me interrupt you. These things. So these micros, they're within a bigger organization? Think of it as a as a network of these microenterprises. Yeah, it's still within the parent. Cisco used, did that. Similarly, the, the best or, example – yeah, sorry to interrupt. The best example for this is a company called Hire, which uh-huh. if your audience haven't heard of, they bought the appliance business, Chinese-based. They bought the appliance business from GE. I mean, it is a, it is a massive, massive uh, successful organization. Um, and they've, they've really have perfected this. 
Um, Zappos is another one mm-hmm. you know, that, that was doing some yeah. of this. Yeah. Um, but you're starting to see more and more of it. And and by the way, just a data point, any guesses of where our current modern day org structure came from? Yeah, World War One. Command and control is mm-hmm. a military concept, right? right? Because it builds structure, it builds discipline, it builds consistency and execution. I don't know about you, but I'm not using a whole lot of other things from World War One in my life. <laughs> so our current structure is incredibly outdated and it doesn't lend itself to this dynamic market that's all around us. So what does this mean in this kind of hybrid and relationship building for the kinds of things that a leader needs to do. No question. So new new environment, um, unfamiliar environment. I think we've. Let me answer that three ways. Number one, I, I think we need to dramatically reinvent, reimagine, reinvent our leadership development programs. Communication has become massively different. Uh, engagement influence. Here's one for you. Mental health. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what leadership program you've seen lately that included wellness and mental health. If leadership doesn't put mental health front and center, it is going to have a ripple effect of burnout. It's going to have a ripple effect of the great resignation you've heard about. A whole lot of people have figured out recently that they'd rather spend time with their kids and the grandkids, Mm -hmm. not grinding it out on the road. So we're going to have a huge hit to the labor market if all of these people finally decide they've had enough and they've worked for a whole bunch of years and they've got enough savings and they don't need any more. So leadership development, first and foremost, developing the next generation of leaders has to evolve. And at the risk of never being invited back, a whole lot of learning and development organizations are completely out of touch. They're still teaching the same thing they were teaching 10 years ago. Oh, I know. And it's like the same module, just... Yes. And they couldn't be more irrelevant, right? Number two, that classroom, that formal instruction, I I don't believe will suffice. We need dramatically stronger formal and informal mentoring and coaching. Right. You need the coaching. If If you think about athletes, if you think about great entertainers, they're already doing well. The hire a coach to take them to a new level. That's correct. So I think that formal and informal coaching and mentoring will, will, will really challenge a lot of our assertions and assumptions about leadership. Last but not least, why does succession planning have to be an event? Right? Yes, it's the succession planning discussion. Yeah. It's yeah. why don't we, and, I'm, and again, I'm doing this with a couple of really visionary leaders. So we're taking, um, t- for one client, we're taking uh, their top 10 executives. Uh, I- I've never believed, I- I've always believed training and development should be out, outside the office, outside the company, outside the, you, you can't work on the business when you're in the business. So uh, for example, a friend has a hundred acre ranch in Montana, 15 mm-hmm. private cabins, and there's no internet access. Right. 
So when we fly there, I collect the devices on Friday and I promised Earth will still revolve and sun will come up and I'll get I them back the on same Sunday. Thing. Yeah. And, right? And we'll have a meaningful discussion around strategy and brand and growth and thing we need to do. So we're taking 10, 10 of these executives offsite. And uh, I asked the CEO, what about your plus ones? And he gave me that deer in the headlight. Like, what the hell are you talking about? What's like spouses? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, no, no. I know you know your direct reports. How well do you know the next one or two tiers down? And he said, so one of my favorite questions to ask every leader is, how's your bench really? And almost the answer actually doesn't matter. What I'm looking for is their response. Are they defensive? Are they proactive? Are they thinking about their bench? And it's never a point in time. It's an ongoing development, right? So what we've agreed to, and he, this is his vision, love this. He's, we're asking every one of those 10 to invite someone else in their organization that they believe possesses the right skills, knowledge, behavior, capabilities to replace themselves. So now we're taking 20 people off-site to really talk about what lessons they've learned through this pandemic, where are opportunities for them to think and lead differently, what are they doing with their talent agenda, how will they live and really thrive in a hybrid relationship world, where are their growing edges, what do they need? to reach not an incremental growth, but an exponential growth in aligning their talent with value creation. These are the things that most leadership teams aren't talking about. These are are really great questions. Yeah, And I think that's the way you start to shift the narrative on what it means to lead. Yeah. I do like, I do like um, just to, just kind of, kind of in in this little topic, I like I like the fact that of of all the things that you're talking about for teams is um, is really having the teams be accountable for a team goal, right? And so that creates uh, a different way of um, of different qualities, right? Accountability being your personal personal characteristic, trust being your second, and then third was you know, productivity and creativity, because we're all, we're all being judged on a team goal versus uh, an individual goal. And you know what, maybe we need the pandemic to basically say, Hey, you know, this is the way to really collectively hold people accountable is working as a team. My next question though, because I got to, I got to get there. Uh, your next book or this book, uh, cause uh, as I'm, as you're, uh, as we're recording this, I see curve benders behind you. Mm-hmm. What is a curve bender? So glad you asked. So uh, curve benders are at their essence uh, a few uh, really strategic, Mitch, really profound relationships. These are curve benders are relationships that shape the direction and destination of your future path, of your future growth. So an easy way to think of them is think of that professor 20 years ago. Think of that first manager that took you under his or her wings and not didn't just teach you about products and services, but they taught you how to be an empathetic leader. They taught you how to be a servant leader. They taught you how to listen louder. These people have an incredible impact in our lives. And again, another way to describe this for your audience is think of a stair step. 
initially you meet a contact, someone you and I meet pre-pandemic in person at a conference or over a cup of coffee. As you exchange value, they become a relationship. As that value goes beyond just a reason or a season, and we exchange relationships on a continuous basis, and the impact of those of those that value creation elevates beyond everybody else, they become a strategic relationship. As you were kind enough to mention, uh, my previous book before this one was called Co-Create. As few of those strategic relationships really identify net new growth, identify net new value creation, net new market opportunities, net new ways of solving challenges, they become co-creators. The very pinnacle of, of these relationships leave an indelible imprint on not just what we accomplish, but who we become. And I call those relationships curve benders. So curve benders are those individuals who are are having a tremendously life-changing impact on other humans on the planet. You're you're exactly right. And it and it's it's not about a title or a compensation package. They're also not just coaches or mentors, but their wisdom, their caring, their vested interest in you all lend themselves to, I interviewed over a hundred executives for the book. And one of the questions that I asked was, can you think of a common thread between the curve benders in your life? Mm -hmm. And the single most consistent answer was they saw the best version of me when I couldn't see it myself. They saw the ingredients of what I could become. They saw the path ahead of me well before I could see it. And they believed in me and they invested in me. And I am where I am today because of them. And four years into researching these topics and uh, interviews and social science research, I still get goosebumps thinking about some of those interviews because as I said, it's more than just a transactional. It is a transformational relationship and a profound impact on who we become, not just as leaders, but as husbands and fathers and brothers and sisters, as human beings. And we can look back and definitively point to these individuals that made that big of a difference. So is, is this book about how to go find um, those people who could bend your life, who could be your, your curve bender? Or is this book about how to become a curve bender? Love it. And, and see, brilliant minds think a lot alike. I, I actually, um, uh, writing for me, you, you'd be delighted to hear I'm not writing Harry Potter, right? I'm never going to get, never going to get wealthy writing books. I, I know all about that. <laughs> but, but, books for me start with a question. And in full disclosure, in a very selfish manner, I was just thinking, I don't think I'm ever going to retire. I'll probably slow down, but I'm, I'm really curious about what work will look like for me in the next decade. So as I started to socialize that and ask a whole lot of people, I started to solidify these, this idea of individuals that would come into our lives and just have a massive impact, right? And I ran it by one of my curve vendors. I distinctly remember we're having, we're having dinner in, in Park City, Utah over sushi. And he says, I love it that you're going to teach other people how to go find potential curve vendors in their lives 
But probably a more profound question would be, how do you become a curve bender in the lives of others? How do you take that 20-some-year-old or the 30-some-year-old who are in the spring of their careers and teach them more than just a product or the services or a skill, teach them exactly what Jeannie brought up? How do you lead in this uncertain world? How do you listen to differences? How do we, I posted on LinkedIn recently, uh, Heineken came up with a brilliant ad and it's all about, we have a lot more in common than we realize. So how do we find ways to connect and work together? So this book is all about both how to really understand that beyond your educational foundation and professional pedigree, a few of your most valuable relationships are your biggest asset. How do you go find, nurture, develop, sustain these curve bending relationships? But also exactly as you said, how do I become a curve bender in the lives of others? Yeah, I do think um, I think it, it kind of comes at a really good 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 point in this whole pandemic, which is, gosh, you know, I feel uh, disconnected, I feel alone, and you know, I need to go find someone to take care of me. No, no, actually, actually, the the source of um, of feeling fulfilled, um, having a meaningful life is to go out there and change someone else's life. And you're exactly right. There's a reason the airline safety, uh, by the way, before the pandemic, we used to get in these things called airplanes and would used to go fly places. I've heard of them. I've heard yes. of them. Yes. Um, so the airline safety videos always tell us to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first before we help somebody else. Mm-hmm. You cannot help others. You cannot be an asset to others. You cannot elevate, amplify others until you start with a healthy self. And if you start by giving, so you asked philosophically how I feel about relationships. If you start by giving a hand, it's a heck of a lot easier to have your hand out when you need something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people tend to forget that. Yep. They, they, they subscribe to what's in it for me. Right. And if they, you know, we have an expression here in the South. If they're not saying it, their face is showing it. Right. I'm sorry. When was the last time you called to see how I'm doing or right. what's happening with me? And, 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 so that investment becomes invaluable, particularly when we're not as physically connected as we were before. How can we reach out and find you, David? So easiest would be just our website, nournorgroup.com. Uh, your audience can also just Google my name, David Nor. It's, N- it's N-O-U-R. Here you are, yeah. I'm, I'm blessed that that you know I've written several books and I've got a column in Forbes and Inc. and um, I also have a Curve Benders podcast that I, would, oh, cool. that I would encourage your audience to kind of check out wherever they consume podcasts. But yeah, just if you, Nor Group, N-O-U-R group.com is the best place to learn about me and our work. Great. And your book is, is it ready now or we, can we get it? Absolutely. It's on Amazon. It's uh it's a good looking blue cover. And I you, see can see, you can see that two, uh, the, the linear growth versus the non-linear growth right on the cover. So absolutely, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get books, it's uh, it's available. Uh, easiest is online, uh, or Nor- norgroup.com. Is that we also done. have a website as well? All right, great. Well, David, this has been just a pleasure. Um, just really a lot of positive, good people, down home south flavor, which is really really um, good to to have here on the West Coast. So um, 
And on the East Coast, I want to thank you, Jenny. Dr. Ginny. And yeah, I'm going to put this on a university reading list, okay? Okay, cool. That sounds right. great. So for uh, for our um, our listeners, thank you so much for um, joining us for another great episode of Team Anywhere. Please share this uh, episode with your friends and your colleagues. And, um, and please give us a review and, and give David and, and us a, a thumbs up and uh, five stars or six stars. And we look six. Why not? And uh, well, with that, we look uh, forward to seeing you next time on the next episode of Team Anywhere. Mm-hmm.